good morning and another warm welcome to you uh, to City Church. My name is James, I'm one of the pastors here and uh, it's a real privilege to be able to speak to you today. I'm aware that there will be lots of guests, visitors, people who perhaps aren't used to coming to church, perhaps haven't been to this church before and let me just say it's, it's brilliant to have you with us and I actually hope that over the next few minutes what we look at together will in fact be helpful, it will be encouraging to you and might even uh, provoke some questions and some thoughts uh, for you today because we're, we're actually going to look at the subject of love today. We're in a teaching series called Follow Jesus where we're looking at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a Christian and so we're going to be looking at the theme of love today and how uh, it affects our relationships with one another. Uh, and so we're going to be reading from a passage in the Bible in 1 John chapter 4. Uh, and we'll spend a few minutes looking at that together. But before I do that, I don't know if uh, you watched the, the game show TV series, The Traitors. Uh, it was on sometime this time last year. Uh, and uh, it was hosted by Claudia Winkleman. And uh, the show featured a group of contestants in a game similar to the party game Mafia where a small group within the contestants became the traitors and they had to work together to eliminate the other contestants in order to win this grand prize. And then the remaining contestants who were known as the faithful uh, were tasked to discover and banish the traitors so that they were able to win the grand prize and so it was like watching this brilliant social experiment uh, unfold where you see what people were prepared to do to win the prize money and so uh, it was it was frankly hilarious as you saw the reality dawn on people that uh, when people realized that they, they really weren't who they said they were uh, and people who they'd formed alliances with would then later on betray them uh, and it was just brilliant TV and I, I remember watching it and thinking as ludicrous as this game show is actually it's not that far removed from our own lives uh, particularly in how we build our relationships and what we see in our culture because so much of our culture is transactional isn't it that you you put in and expect to get something out of it that's how transactions work isn't it and that kind of way of living has filtered into our relationships uh, with other people. If you think about love, for instance, love in our culture has also essentially become transactional. The idea that if someone gives love to someone else that they expect something from that too, where individuals are primarily concerned with how they will benefit. And in this way, love has become this commodity that is to be obtained and then hoarded instead of it being the abundant and infinite source that it is. And so our independent, self-serving, individualistic society that we live in has turned love into a product or a prize to be earned or shopped or hoarded or owned. And you wonder why we see much division, so much division, isolation, anxiety in this world because the world doesn't know where to go for true, unconditional, abundant love. 
And in this passage that we're going to read together, we discover that there is another way, a better way to live and to build relationships and so on. And so if you're here and you want to become a better friend, a better spouse, a better parent, a better neighbour, better colleague, then this passage that we're going to read is going to help you today. And so we're going to read from 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Uh, it says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. In this passage, we are told a number of things about God, about love and about how we as people are to be. The writer, who, who is a man called John, starts with this statement. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. A little later in verse 8, John says something extraordinary, which is that God is love. So not only does love come from God, but God in his very nature is love. Now on the one hand that might sound quite nice to you, it also can sound a little bit strange, can't it? Can someone really be love? You know, we might say someone is very loving, someone is in love, but we wouldn't say they are love. And yet John in this letter, in verse 8, says God is love. I don't know how much you've thought about God and what he is like, and there are probably all sorts of ideas uh, around the room about what God is like. Perhaps you think believing in God is an attractive idea but is a little naive. Maybe you think it's a little childish, it's something that we used to talk about in primary school or, or so on. Or perhaps you actually think it's a dangerous thing to believe in God. Here, here's, here's what the atheist author, the late Christopher Hitchens said. He said this, the existence of God would be a bad thing. It would be rather awful if it was true. If there was a permanent, total round-the-clock divine supervision and invigilation of what you do, you would never have a waking or sleeping moment when you weren't being watched and controlled and supervised by some celestial entity. That might be close to how many of us imagine God to me, uh, a lonely, irritable, bearded old man sitting on a cloud with lightning bolts in his hands ready to strike down people who annoy him. God is busy being in charge and he has all power and not a lot of patience. In some ways he's a little bit like a, a speed camera where you, you, you feel deep down that they're there for the best because they're kind of you know, dealing with road safety and all of that but you resent them every time you see them. And in many ways Christopher Hitchens is right. That isn't a very nice God to believe in. And in fact, it's, it's not the God that I believe in either. 
The thing is, the God that Jesus Christ reveals is completely different. The God Jesus shows us is love. And this idea, this concept that God is love, this truth that God is love, is crucial to understanding the God of the Bible. Because we, we're not dealing with a solitary, lonely figure, but rather we're told in the Bible that God is a community. A, a relationship between three persons. You might have heard of the term the Trinity before, that, that God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And that within this community of three persons, there is love for one another. A sharing of everything, there is trust between them, selflessness, a, a putting the other first, attention to the other. There's, in fact, is a way of being that is totally other person centred. It's perfect and it's beautiful and it's a mile away from the lonely God that Christopher Hitchens imagined. And that is why John wrote that God is love. Because God has always been this way. Love has always existed and that is why John was able to say that in the previous verse that love comes from God, that, that love isn't just something that God does but it is who he is, it's part of his very nature. And so God's way of being therefore is the source material for what all human relationships can be like. And so then in making that statement that God is love, that love comes from God, John then goes on to describe what this kind of love looks like. And he draws out two features of this love. And the first is that this love is unconditional. Look at verses 9 and 10 with me. John writes, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. John wrote this, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And this is, this is such an important part of what it means to follow Jesus, is to understand that before we had any capacity to do anything whatsoever, God loved us. In another part of the Bible, it says that before the very foundation of the world, God loved us. And so this, this love, the love that God shares within the Trinity, is then extended to us, and this love is unconditional. There are no strings attached in that sense. And what John is trying to get at here is that we, we don't actually naturally love God. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We, we naturally love ourselves. And if we're all honest with ourselves, pretty much everything that we do is motivated by what we get out of something, whether it's a relationship or a decision at work or uh, something to do with our kids that you hope will make your life easier. Everything that we do generally is motivated by wanting to make our lives easier and better. But John says God's love for you is not transactional at all. It's not determined by your input or your output. It's not constrained to a compulsion. But it says that God 
loved us first. In another part of the Bible, it says that. It says that God loved us first. We love because God loved us first. And so God's love is, is unconditional. And often we, we trip ourselves up in thinking that we have to earn God's love by behaving well or doing the right thing. But the truth of the Bible is, no, no, God loves you first. He loves you. And so that's the first feature of this love that comes from God. But the second feature of this love is that it's also sacrificial. It says that God demonstrated his love by sending his son, his precious son Jesus, into the world as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We see here that God's love is sacrificial. It came at a cost to God. He sent his one and only son to die. To die in our place on a wooden cross to atone for our sins, the, the things where we have made decisions uh, based on our own well-being, our self-centeredness, our selfish lives. It says that Jesus atoned for our sins. That, that word atoned means to make amends or to make right. That The, the separation that, that is between us and God that we could never make up, Jesus made that up for us, made that right for us by dying on the cross, atoning for our sins, that we might have life. This love was demonstrated and it was sacrificial and it is utterly unique in, in all the world religions that this love was demonstrated. You see, this, this love that God has for us isn't just words on a page, it isn't just poetry or an idea, it's not just a philosophy, it is objective in time and space. It is historical, it, it happened. There was a historical date when Jesus died. It is geographical. It happened on a hill outside the city walls of Jerusalem. And of course it was sacrificial, it cost Jesus, his life. And you might quite wonder, well, why did he do all of that? And here we see that Jesus did all of that because of love. And so when Jesus died, God's justice was satisfied. Our, our debt that had been accrued by our sin has been cancelled. And our forgiveness has been purchased. Jesus' perfection is given to us. And we are then adopt adopted into his family. Adoption is confirmed and as a result our life is guaranteed. That is the message of Jesus and the love that he has for you. The love of God is unconditional and it is sacrificial. Karl Barth, the theologian, said it like this. He said, God loves us in freedom, without constraint, without pressure. It is just an overflow of who he is and how he is. Isn't that just wonderfully liberating to know that God loves us in spite of our sin? When we were far off, God loved us. 
and he demonstrated it on the cross. And in explaining these things, John brings us to a final point, which is that in light of this truth, that God is love and he has demonstrated it and this love is unconditional and sacrificial, he brings us to this final point, which is that it then changes who we are. That when we understand these things, it changes who we are. Look at verses 11 and 12 with me. John writes, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is complete in us. John writes that when you have a right understanding of this kind of love, it leads us to love one another. When you understand what real love looks like, it changes you from the inside out. That rather than it just being a bucket where you receive love and it doesn't go anywhere, rather it is to be a channel that flows through you and out and it affects your relationships and the communities that you find yourself in. I was on the phone to someone recently, in fact, who, who said to me, 12 months ago, I would never have considered becoming a Christian, but having explored who Jesus is and what he has done for me and receiving the love of God into my heart, it has changed me fundamentally. And in fact, that is the story for many of us here. It's my story that when the penny dropped for me that God loved me and had demonstrated that love for me in Jesus and that he wanted me to enjoy this unconditional, sacrificial love it changed me and it affected how I was and how I treated other people. And as I began to realise that, I realised that the people that I admired most in my life, who seemed to have peace with themselves, who had capacity for people, who loved others so well and didn't live this self-centred transactional life, that when you got to the bottom of it, what had happened was they had been changed by the love of God themselves. That in fact, the people who had loved me best in my life are those that have known the love of God for themselves. That the natural outworking of the love of God into our lives is that it would affect our relationships. And, and John actually then makes a further point in verse 12. Where he says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. John is effectively saying that as, as we love one another in the way that Jesus has loved us, in effect, people are seeing the love of God at work. I find that remarkable. In fact, John says, as we love one another, God lives in us. That, that one of the ways that people encounter the love of God for themselves is as they experience love from one another. I find that provoking, challenging. It, it, it shapes and changes the way I think about the relationships that I build. It also makes me think about the example that Jesus has set for us. That since God has loved us, so we ought to live 
ought to love one another. That there's something about the example of Jesus that we are to follow, that in our relationships we are to express this love unconditionally and sacrificially. And I'm left with the question, do my relationships look like that? Does the relationship with my wife look like unconditional and sacrificial love? Does my relationship with my girls, my daughters, look like unconditional and sacrificial love? Do I love my friends where it comes at a cost to me, whether that's time, money, emotion, emotional energy, service? Does my life look like that? And John says a right understanding of the love of God leads to loving one another well. And so now might just be a good moment to just take a pause and consider what your life looks like. Whether in fact it is very transactional. Whether that's your relationships or the decisions that you make. What does your life look like? Perhaps you're here and you've never considered the love of God before. Can I encourage you just to take a moment to consider that? Perhaps you might want to talk to the person who who invited you along or you could talk to someone with a lanyard who would love to just spend some time. Perhaps you, you realise, actually, I want to experience real love for the first time. I'm, I know that there'll be people who would love to pray for you. Perhaps you recognise that your relationship with God has become pretty transactional. And actually you want to return to that place of knowing his unconditional love for you. Again, I'd encourage you to pray with someone today. You might be here and actually you've understood something of the unconditional love of God. And actually you want to take a practical next step to follow in the example of Jesus of what sacrificial love looks like and one of the ways that I found most helpful well two things actually really is uh, is actually offering to uh, pray for someone is a great place to start to serve someone by praying for them is a wonderful act of service and sacrificial love just to listen to someone in fact just building relationships and friendships with people is a wonderful way to do that. But the second thing is actually to serve. And uh, we encourage everyone who's part of City Church to be part of a team here at City Church, not just because it helps uh, to run these services and different ministries that we do, but actually it's part of our discipleship. That to be a disciple of Jesus is to, to be like him. And he came not to be served, but to serve. And we do the same and we have lots of different ways that you can do that whether that's serving on a team on a Sunday in kids groups or in the worship team or in setup we have things like encounter and street life where you get, can have the opportunity to serve some of the most vulnerable people in our city these are contexts where we get to put this love into action where we get to love one another and in doing that God promises to be with us And in in that, we change and the people around us 
change as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love that has been demonstrated in sending your Son into the world to then die on a cross to pay a debt that we could never pay. And yet through your death and resurrection, you have made a way for us to know you and to know and to receive this love. I want to pray for every person here, whether they would call themselves a Christian or not, that they would have a deep and life-changing experience of your love today. Thank you that you do not dismiss anyone, but you extend open hands to them, that you deeply desire a relationship with every person here. Lord, thank you that that love has changed my life and so many people here today. And Lord, I want to pray that as a community, as a church, that we would demonstrate that love to one another and to a watching world, to a world that is filled with hate and division. And Lord, that your love would triumph over those things. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.